Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, welcome into another edition of the FanDuel Hurry Up. I'm Joe Ranieri, joined by Jim Sonis of Number Fire. And today we're going to take a look at something, uh, well, has been in the news quite a lot lately, that being the NFL and win totals. And Jim, before we dive into a few teams here, tell me, my friend, am I crazy? This is of the top 40 free agents since the new year opened here. There's only like three or four guys left. It's been unbelievable the amount of transactions we've seen thus far in the last week, week and a half. Yeah, it's not even just the free agents, but there have been significant trades too, especially if you're in an industry like us where you're talking a lot of fantasy football, like seeing guys like Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins, and David Johnson all on the move. It's been a lot to talk about. So thankfully, we've had the NFL here to discuss while everything else is on pause. That's been a nice little break for sure, but eventually things are going to dry up. Like you said, not a lot of free agents left to sign. So uh, hopefully they will find another way to keep the conversation going for the next couple of months. All right, so let's talk some win totals here, and we'll start at the uh, top. How about the defending champs? Why don't we look at the Kansas City Chiefs uh, looking at an 11.5 win total uh, at almost even money at this point with our friends at FanDuel. What are your thoughts on Kansas City uh, making it to uh, double digits, shall we say, this win total in this season? Yeah, their number is 11 and a half right now. You can get plus 105 on the under. And there aren't a lot of situations in betting NFL win totals where you will get plus money on a team winning with a win total 11 and a half. That just doesn't happen all that often. So basically what you need in order to hit the over here is kind of an outlier. And so I'm going to go with the under here on the Chiefs at 11 and a half because it is plus 105 just because this situation seems too good to pass up. The NFL season 
there are a lot of things that can happen. Teams can just underperform. They can have a bad stretch of games. They can have injuries, et cetera, et cetera. So getting a team under at 11 and a half, I think is pretty attractive. And it's also not exactly the easiest division either. The Denver Broncos have made a lot of gains on defense. The Las Vegas Raiders have a couple of first round picks. The Chargers in flux uh, with their quarterback situation right now, but at least they have a baseline with Terod Taylor there and the rest of that team, especially the defense, is loaded. So the Chiefs are an awesome team. I expect Patrick Mahomes to continue to be a dominant force in this league for a very long time, but getting them at plus 105 on the under at 11 and a half wins is too good to pass up. So I'm going to go under here, even though I do like the Chiefs overall for the 2020 season. Yeah, it's all about that uh, that Super Bowl curse we've heard about so many times before. Rams just a couple of years ago. How does Andy Reid and the Chiefs react? It's going to be a lot of fun to watch how that division plays out. But they played a team, uh, of course, in the Super Bowl. They beat the San Francisco 49ers. Their win total is at 10 and a half. Another tough division. What do you think about the 49ers win total? Yeah, the division bot line here is relevant for the 49ers, which is why I want the under on them as well. They are at 10 and a half. Uh, the under is plus 110, so getting some uh, some good juice there as well. And I think that the reason that I want to go against the 49ers here is it's hard to bank on a defense being an outlier for two consecutive seasons. And that's exactly what the 49ers were last year. They were second overall in adjusted defense based on number fires metrics and second against the pass. Now you go an additional year into Richard Sherman's career and potentially we could see some fall off there at some point. It hasn't happened yet, uh, but it could happen at some point. And they traded away DeForest Buckner. And DeForest Buckner was one of the key forces on that elite level defensive line. That does give them an additional first-round pick in that trade with the Colts, but after those two first-round picks, the 49ers do not pick again until the fifth round. So a long drop-off there in the draft. Still not a ton of draft capital there, despite getting that first for DeForest Buckner. They've also lost Emmanuel Sanders on offense. They're going to have to use one of those first-round picks to address the wide receiver course. So what you see here with the 49ers is, yeah, uh, an elite defense and a team that overcame a lot of injuries on the offensive line last year. That means that they're probably still going to be very good for next year. But Arizona getting better. The Rams still a good team despite a lot of losses there, and Seattle is always lurking. So I think this division is going to be good once again next year, especially if Arizona does make the gains they're projected to make based on what they've done this offseason. So under 10.5, I think that's pretty realistic here at plus 110 for the 49ers. If that defense takes any step back, we could see them hit this under pretty easily. So either they win 10 wins, either they get 10 wins, we get the under here. So I think I'll definitely take it and bet against both the teams that were in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, it really, I, they're going to go if Jimmy Garoppolo can take that next step. If he, is, if he can take that next step that, of course, many people thought he could, um, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But as Jimmy goes, I think that team will go. Interesting enough here, uh, Jim, there was a lot of rumors about Tom Brady and the 49ers, but it uh, looks like he settled on the Tampa Bay Bucks. And when we look at that win total, it's hovering around nine right now. What are your thoughts on Tom Brady's new team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? 
You know, we've actually already seen this number rise from when things opened at FanDuel Sportsbook. They just opened last week. They were eight and a half. There was a lot of juice on the over, but now it has gone up to nine. The juice is now minus 115, and I do still like the over there. I was talking to Kevin Cole of Pro Football Focus last week, and he said that by their numbers, Tom Brady is worth about a win above replacement over Jameis Winston. So an additional win there for the Patriots, roughly two points against the spread per game with Brady over Jameis. And that's a good thing for sure. But this is also a good team outside of the quarterback because they've got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and they also have a better defense than perception. Last year, based on number of fires metrics, this Tampa Bay Bucks team ranked ranked fourth in overall defense. They were seventh against the pass, and they were first against the rush by a pretty wide margin. Now, there could be some changes on the defensive line, given they have a couple of guys who are free agents, but they will be bringing Shaq Barrett back. Jason Pierre-Paul is back as well. A lot of athleticism at linebacker. I don't know if this defense will keep up what it did last year, but it should still be a good defense. That's a good thing when you have Tom Brady and the weapons that they have on offense in addition to a pretty high-end or a mid-level first-round pick. So this Tom Brady move does upgrade this Buccaneers team, but I also think they're being uh, being underrated for what they have elsewhere, specifically on the defense. So the over at nine here is pretty attractive at mi- minus 115. Yeah, Adamican Sue, still a free agent, a big part of that number one uh, defense against the run last year. Uh, it'll be interesting. Maybe he takes a pay cut and comes back to be a part of that Todd Bowles defense. Uh, a lot of intrigue there for sure. Now, Tom Brady, of course, not re-signing with his team, the Patriots. Puts them in a very interesting position, too, coming out of the AFC East. A Tom Brady-less Patriots team hovering at a win total of nine. What are your thoughts with them, Jim? Yeah, we're going the opposite here. Uh, We're going with the under on the Patriots with Tom Brady leaving town, but it's not necessarily just because they are losing Tom Brady. A lot of it is the same things we discussed with the 49ers, where it's hard to bank on a defense being an outlier two years in a row. And the Patriots were actually a hair better than the 49ers based on our numbers over a number fire last year. So further uh, room to regress for them. And they're bringing a lot of guys back. So I would still expect them to be good, but can they be an outlier, which is what they were last year? And it's also hard to expect this offense to excel with Tom Brady being gone. They could have Cam Newton. They could have Andy Dalton. Maybe Jameis Winston comes to town. Those are all possibilities, but that's probably going to be a downgrade from, from Tom Brady. And this team with Brady last year ranked 19th in schedule-adjusted passing offense. They have not addressed the skill position guys on this team all that much so far this offseason. They will get Nikhil Harry healthy, which could be a good thing with a full offseason for him as well. But there are a lot of question marks on offense. And there's also the possibility they decide to run this thing with Jared Sidham and Brian Hoyer. And if they do that, I really, really like the under on nine wins there for sure. So... There are too many question marks with this uh, Patriots team for me, to, for me to go with the over here. So I do want the under. It's at minus 110. I think that uh, with all the question marks on the Patriots offense, even outside of just the quarterback, that is an advantageous number where it currently stands. Buffalo will be better. The Jets, believe it or not, will be better. Miami will be better. It's going to be a tough division for the Patriots this year as well. And speaking of a uh, tough year, boy, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, they've got the number one pick, and uh, the number one pick we know, Jim, is a game changer for a lot of franchises. They have it this year, the Bengals. What are your thoughts on their win total going into the season? 
Yeah, I like the over here. It's at five and a half, uh, minus 110 on the over for the Bengals. And they were kind of due for regression anyway, because they did decide to roll with Ryan Finley for part of last year. And he was not really an NFL-level quarterback. And they get Jonah Williams back. He was their first-round pick last year, should slot in at left tackle. So two improvements there as they just regress and don't have Ryan Finley in the sample and add Jonah Williams to the mix. That is in addition to Joe Burrow as well. Also, it's easy to forget that A.J. Green missed the entirety of last year. A.J. Green has now been franchise tagged. He said that he will play under that tag for this year. So you give Joe Burrow, Jonah Williams, and three really quality wide receivers, I'd expect this offense to be pretty good. They've also made additions in free agency. This is a Bengals team that never makes moves in free agency, but they have done so thus far. DJ Reader and Trey Waynes coming over. Probably overpaid for Trey Waynes a little bit, but still an upgrade over what they had last year. And again, they get Joe Burrow and the 33rd overall pick in addition to Burrow with the first pick in the second round. So a lot of gains here for this Bengals team. Uh, We're getting a good number here at five and a half. So I think the Bengals should be better than that this year. And I think that uh, Joe Burrow will be a part of that. But the other additions of A.J. Green, Jonah Williams, and on defense are the main reasons that I'm drawn towards this number. And of course, a lot of people still wondering, what is this coaching staff going to be like? And can they take that talent and have them take the next step? So fascinating year ahead for the Cincinnati Bengals with the number one pick in the draft coming up next month. And you know, finally, another team a lot of people thought were just going to hit the reset button and blow it all up and start from scratch. But they go out there and spend an awful lot of money on a new quarterback named Teddy Bridgewater. Also at five and a half wins. What are your thoughts about the Carolina Panthers win total this year? Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of the things you were referring to where people expect this Panthers team to potentially tank for Trevor Lawrence next year. But if you look at the things that they have done so far this offseason, not just free agency, it kind of goes counter to that. They traded their guard, Trey Turner. And if they had traded Trey Turner for draft picks, that would have been a signal that they may have been trying to tank for Trevor. But instead, they got a really good left tackle when he's healthy and Russell Okung back in return. That is not a move you make if you are trying to tank. Because Russell Okung, he only played six games last year for the Chargers, but when he was healthy, he played really well. And that gives the Panthers good players at left tackle, center, and right tackle. So that offensive line, not as bad as perception. You bring in Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy brings a pretty good floor to him. Question marks about the ceiling for sure, but good skill players around him with Curtis Samuel, DJ Moore, and Christian McCaffrey, obviously. There is some talent on this offense, and I think there's more talent here than you would expect for a team with their win total at five and a half. I think that this is a good spot for them. They do still have some high-end picks as well, so the ability to address some of the players they've lost on defense, specifically James Bradbury and Luke Keekley, I think that they, make, they can make some gains. I think that this number at five and a half is based around the, uh, the, the speculating that they may tank but their moves thus far this offseason have not been the t- that, that, those of a team that is tanking. So I want the over here on the Panthers. It is minus 120 at five and a half. So uh, definitely not a uh, not an even money thing by any means. But even at that number, I still think that what we've seen so far from the Panthers this offseason is a team that's not trying to actively lose games next year. All right, I'm going to throw one final curveball here for you. Speaking of the Panthers, Bridgewater in, Cam Newton out. Better chance of landing Cam Newton. Patriots or the Redskins? 
Based on the bookmakers right now, they're saying Washington, and I think that's really interesting with North Turner, or uh, with, not with North Turner, but uh, with Ron Rivera mm-hmm. being there. So it's definitely an interesting proposition. I just want to see Cam play. I don't care where he is. I just want to see him play because Cam Newton, when healthy, is one of the most fun to play, fun to watch players in the entire league. So I don't care where he goes. I just want to see him play, Joe. That's that's the one request I have here. But I think uh, based on the way the bookmakers are seeing it, Washington does seem to be the more likely destination. Yeah, and uh, can't wait to see the fashion shows both before and after the games with Cam Newton. It is always good. We'll start at the top uh, with a player that many people think, outside of the quarterback position, is the best player on the board, and that being Chase Young of Ohio State. What are your thoughts on Chase Young this year? So Chase Young is going to go second overall in this draft, and you could really put this bet at any price. You could put it at minus 10,000, and you probably still get some people who are willing to bet it because Chase Young is just going to go second. Washington isn't going to take Tua. Washington is not going to trade this pick away. They, you know, they traded a fifth round pick for Kyle Allen. They took Dwayne Haskins in the first round last year. They are selecting Chase Young with this second overall pick in the NFL draft. So, you know, I was honestly surprised to see this at minus 330 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I thought it would be even deeper than that. I love guys that bet on themselves anytime, but I'm not sure how much money he lost by betting on himself. But talk to me about Melvin Gordon also going to be in a new location, no longer with the Chargers. What are your projections uh, for Melvin Gordon going into the season? Yeah, it's a tough scene for Melvin Gordon after uh, everything that's gone down over the last year. But he goes to a Denver team that has a crowded backfield already. We've seen Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman split that backfield last year. I think this move makes Royce Freeman pretty irrelevant from a fantasy perspective. So we're really looking at Melvin Gordon versus Philip Lindsay. The one interesting aspect of this Broncos backfield, and Philip Lindsay in particular, is that last season, during the first half of the season, he was seeing a, a target share per game that was in the 13 to 14% range. And then the second half of the season, that dropped to under 7%. So basically uh, cut in half during the second half of the year. We know that Melvin Gordon's a pretty good pass catcher out of the backfield, even though he was sort of being overshadowed by Austin Eckler this past season. Uh, so Melvin Gordon could carve out somewhat of a role, especially given the fact that we've seen Denver sort of cap Philip Lindsay's rushing upside given his size. So Gordon, to me, not an ideal landing spot going to Denver, uh, but I do have him for 203 attempts, 886 yards on the ground with six to seven touchdowns. Uh, But then through the air, I have him with 40 receptions and then another touchdown as well. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top they ran socks in 2004, bounced back after the 3-0. In a winner chicken dinner, homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Plus 850, it's the Colorado Avalanche that have rebuilt and rebuilt well, putting them in position this year to be a true Stanley Cup contender. Why do you like the Avalanche? Uh, so as I mentioned at the top of the Bruins, this is probably the team in the entire league that's going to benefit most from whatever amount of time this layoff happens to be. They have their star center, Nathan McKinnon, who's only going to be sidelined for one to two weeks. But they are still without Miko Rantanen, uh, Nazem Kadri, Andre Burakovsky. Those are four forwards among their top six, along with their starting goaltender out, Philip Grubauer. So they have four of their best six forwards, four of their best six offensive options that were out or are out right now. They come back healthier. You know, they do have a, a capable backup in Pavel Francois Annette, who's been playing actually very well. But, you know, sitting uh, with one game in hand, I don't know what they're going to be doing with the games when it comes to uh, resuming the season, but one game in hand, and they are two points out of the first place in the Western Conference. So they are moving along despite these injuries. And when they come back, they will be even healthier. There's no reason not to like a team that has all of the offense you can possibly want. When it comes to the goaltending, that's where things get a little bit dicey. But man, load up on these guys that are coming back healthy and will be in a great spot to win. Ball here today, but we're going to mix it up a little bit because uh, the Yankees and Dodgers are ridiculous favorites. But we'll talk from a division title perspective. Let's start in the American League. And how about that Central? Why don't we talk about them Chicago White Sox as a possibility of winning the Central and those odds 
Thomas, welcome in, my friend. Good to see you again. How's it going? You know, we talked some basketball last week. We want, might as well flip over to some baseball. And like you said, we got the White Sox at plus 340. Really like that price point on them. You know, we have the Twins coming in this year, much of the same as what we saw last year. They added Josh Donaldson. We expect them to hit a ton of home runs. We have the Indians sitting at plus 290, but their offense really is lacking. Their pitching staff is... You know, it has a bunch of question marks after, you know, uh, Shane Bieber, obviously amazing. Mike Clevenger dealing with a ton, a ton of injuries. But we have the White Sox adding all these young players, calling up prospects, you know, making some key additions in the offseason with Grandal and Nomar Mazzara and uh, Edwin Encarnacion, uh, Dallas Keuchel. Like, they're making the right moves. Uh, you know, Luis Robert is set to make his debut. Plus 340 for this team that has a good mix of pitching with Keiko, Lu Lucas Giolito, uh, bringing up some young players at a, a really solid price point. I kind of like them this year. You know, this year moving forward, I'm not really too worried about the Indians. It's going to be up against the Twins, but man, take these young guns in, in Chicago with the White Sox. Love their win total as well. I think they're going to. Uh, I think they're going to eclipse the win total. I think that pitching staff in the front head of that order is going to score a lot of runs. So. I'm with you 100% on the Chicago White Sox, certainly winning a lot more than people think they're going to. How about in the West? Obviously, uh, Houston, a lot of focus on them heading into the year, but give me a dark horse, some team that you like the value on of winning that American League West title. For the West, the Angels at plus 650 are really, really interesting, right? We know that the Astros have been there for the past number of seasons. Uh, we know that the Athletics are always there, kind of bouncing around in the wild card, always seem to make uh, you know a bit of noise later in the season. But we have the Angels. They added Rendon this offseason. We know that the question for them has always been pitching, right? We have Mike Trout, this all-world, all-caliber player who has three MVPs under his belt. He has played in three career playoff games. Like, we need to get Trout and the Angels to the playoffs. For them, it always comes down to pitching. But they made a few upgrades. They bring in some, I would say, good pitchers with Dylan Bundy, uh, Julio Tehran. They have Trout, obviously, still. Shohei Otani is getting healthier. They bring in, Ren, uh, bring in Rendon. They have Upton. Like, the lineup is starting to pull together. So a plus 650, like, you are getting amazing odds on them. And really, no one else should be looking at them. Can't figure out what uh, Mike Trout's war is going to be this year now that he's got actual protection in the lineup there. I think Otani's going to be a key piece, along with their new manager, Joe Madden. Should be a lot of fun to watch how it all unfolds there. And now let's take a look at the National League here, Thomas. And the East, for instance, that holds, I don't know, you know, the, the current World Series, the reigning World Series champs, the Washington Nationals. Talk to me about the National League East and who you think's got value there to win the division. So the East is, I want to say, is probably one of the most interesting divisions for the NL this season. We know the Dodgers are super heavy favorites. We'll get to them in a minute. But the East, you know, we have the Braves. They've been solid for a few years. We have the Nationals sitting at plus 250. And besides the loss of Anthony Rendon to the Angels, as I just mentioned, nothing really changed for them. You know, we should see Carter Keyboom at third, you know, see a good amount of time this year. But their lineup is largely the same. They still have Scherzer, Corbin, uh, and Strasburg as their starting pitching, like one of the best starting pitching staffs in the league. They still have Trey Turner, Soto, Robles. They bring in Starlin Castro and Eric Thames, which I think are really good, like mid-tier pickups, like guys you don't need to be all-stars. Their bullpen is still pretty strong. Like what changed about them? And this is not about them winning the World Series repeating. This is about them winning the division at plus 250. So I am going to be banking on Strasburg and, and Scherzer time and time again until something changes. And we're getting them at plus money.
Yeah, of course, you know, uh, Syndergaard going down, Tommy, John, kind of deflated Mets fans. There's a lot of question marks, certainly even around that pitching staff in Atlanta. So it'll be interesting to see. I think they're loaded. I think they're ready to rock and roll. Plus, you can never, ever put a price tag on experience. And when we head to the National League Central, a lot of experience there. Uh, Chicago, St. Louis, Milwaukee, uh, Cincinnati. Talk to me here, Thomas. Who do you think is uh, is got the best value to win the division in the National League Central? So as I said, you know, the NL is looking pretty good for some value plays and should have interesting divisions. And I think the Central should be one of the wildest divisions in the league. We've kind of seen it over the past few seasons. It was two years ago that the Cubs and the Brewers played in that one game uh, play in at the you know final game of the season, 163. We saw the Brewers win that. We have the Cubs at plus 220, the Cardinals also at plus 220, the Reds at plus 270, and then the Brewers at plus 340. Uh, You know, the Pirates are there at at plus 7,000. We don't want to talk about them. But we have four teams that are kind of in a spot to really make some noise. The Reds made some improvements this year. But for me, the Brewers at plus 340, a team that has been to the playoffs in recent seasons. You know, last year they lost Yelich, who wasn't great. For them, the question will always be starting pitching. They have a phenomenal bullpen. They have enough offense of course, centered around Yelich, uh, Ryan Braun. He's getting up there in age, but they, you know, really kind of have enough pieces to make some noise. And a plus three fifty, uh, plus three forty. Excuse me. I-, I like their value this year, and you know, they proper, uh, they still have Craig Council as their manager, so they have some experience. They have enough star power. They just need a little help when it comes to pitching this year. Yeah, I agree. But they they've got all the ingredients to be able to make a legit run at it this year. Nobody knows about the Cubs. Uh, the Cardinals getting a little bit older. It's uh, it's the Brewers, I think, to have. I'm with you. And when you look, and again, we, we skipped over the Yankees and the Dodgers because there's really no point in talking about those odds for them winning the division, the American League East and the National League East. But they do have some value when it comes to pennant odds. So let's talk about the American League pennant and the New York Yankees. Talk to me about the value that they have right now. So as you said, the Yankees sitting as the, or the outright for the division is minus 440, which isn't great. Like we're not even going to pretend that's a a great bet to have, but for the pennant, for the AL pennant, they're sitting at plus 165, which is obviously good for a team that's the favorite. The Astros are behind them in second at plus 370. So we kind of factor in everything, you know, the Yankees uh, in this time off with the league, uh, you know, paused right now, they're going to be getting a little bit healthier. Right. We're going to be seeing, you know, Stanton and Judge come back a little bit healthier. And I, I would say probably the most important piece is probably going to be Paxton. Uh, you know, James Paxton, their pitcher, uh, dealing with that back injury, whatever it is, uh, coming back a little bit healthier. You know, what is it, two ALCSs in the past three seasons that they've been to? Finally, hopefully able to get over this hump with Garrett Cole in the mix now. Like, you know, plus 160, as the season goes on, that should probably get a little bit lower. And this might be the time to gra- grab these odds while you can. Yeah, I agree. Listen, it's uh, this uh, this pause, this layoff, uh, certainly helping the Yankees, who seem to have been uh, bitten by the injury bug over the last couple of years. So certainly favoring them. And the Dodgers are loaded again. I mean, what can you say about the Dodgers? Uh, is there any value in them winning the National League pennant? Well, there, there has to be value in them winning the pennant because there's no value in them winning the West. They're minus 1,000 in the West. And it's kind of been like that for a few seasons now. It's like, okay, it's the Dodgers, maybe the Diamondbacks, maybe the Rockies, you know, get the wild card. Maybe they make a bit of noise. But it's it's minus 1,000 for the Dodgers in the West, and we don't want to be looking there. They are plus 155 for the NL pennant. 
we know that they have been to the World Series, as we've heard over this past offseason, a number of times in the past few years. They have the experience. You know, Kershaw, we know, is getting up there in age. But for me, give me Walker Bueller as a potential Cy Young candidate. That lineup that they have behind him is absolutely, it was amazing last year. And now they're adding, you know, an MVP candidate in Mookie Betts. You know, they're bringing up young players with Gavin Lux and Dustin May when it comes to hitting and pitching. They have it all. They have the hitting. They have the pitching. They have the experience. Plus 155 for the Dodgers and the NL pennant is awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked for both the Yankees and the Dodgers that uh, there is still some value there in the pennant. Look, we're all excited to get sports back. Uh, a lot of baseball fans excited to get baseball back. It should be a great season no matter what looking forward to that he is thomas vecchio number fire i'm joe ranieri and that does it it's another edition of the fan duel hurry up all right guys welcome into another edition here of the fan duel hurry up i'm joe ranieri joined by jj zacharyson of fan duel and we're going to talk a little free agency right now and there are a lot of teams that are going to have some new players on them wearing new jerseys. But how does that equate? We'll ask JJ here. And uh, I guess, JJ, there's no better place to start huh, than with the biggest name. How about Tom Brady right now? Projections heading into the year. What do you think about this? Yeah, so you're going to hear a lot of people talk about Tom Brady not being a great fit in this Bruce Arians offense because the Bruce Arians offense throws a lot of intermediate and deep passes. Dating back to Arians being in Arizona, He's ranked in the top 10 in the league every single year in deep ball rate. Uh, and Tom Brady, over the last half decade at least, has not. Uh, but the one thing with Tom Brady is that he's actually ranked in the top half of the league in each of the last five years in completion percentage on passes that have traveled 15 or more air yards. Now you give him Chris Godwin, you give him Mike Evans, you give him O.J. Howard. Tom Brady's in a really good spot to produce and be very fantasy relevant. So right now my projections have met 4,476 passing yards, uh, almost 30 touchdowns, a little over 29 touchdowns, and just a little over 10 interceptions. You know, people sometimes equate deep ball with arm strength, but that's not the case, guys. Not the case at all. It just wasn't the uh, wasn't in the playbook there in New England. So I'm with you. I think we're going to get more than people expect. And there are an awful lot of people, JJ, that expect DeAndre Hopkins is going to explode too. Kind of been down as far as the projections go the last couple of years, the numbers. But what are the Arizona Cardinals getting, DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, it's a really interesting situation. If you look over the last nine or so years, so since 2011, we've seen 19 different seasons where a wide receiver has seen a 30% target share or better. DeAndre Hopkins owns three of those seasons. That's a really, really elite target share. But if you look at those 19 seasons, there's one thing that all of those seasons have in common. And it's that those wide receivers didn't have that much competition at pass catcher on their individual teams. Now, good wide receivers will see a good target share because you have to get open in order to see targets. Targets are a, are a skill statistic. Um, but if you look at DeAndre Hopkins' new situation, he's now competing with Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, Kenyon Drake out of the backfield. So even if you see this move to Arizona in the quarterback position being fairly level because Kyler Murray's an up-and-coming passer, you know, he doesn't, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't necessarily have the same ceiling that he had with Houston. He doesn't have that Michael Thomas type ceiling anymore. He's still going to be a wide receiver one in fantasy, but I do worry about there being a little bit of a cap ceiling, even if he sees, you know, like a 26% target share or, or so. So my projections right now have Hopkins at 100 receptions, 1,177 yards, and nine touchdowns. Yeah, I can imagine the party once uh, once the quarantine ends here that Kyler Murray's going to be throwing right now with the uh, the weapons he's going to have next year. 
he's got to be excited. And I, listen, fresh start sometimes works for everybody, including David Johnson, who is on his way to Houston from Arizona in the DeAndre Hopkins trade. What about David Johnson? Might we uh, rekindle the flame from a couple of years ago? We might. I mean, we know that Houston was an opportunity or, or place for opportunity for a running back to go to uh, with Carlos Hyde being a free agent. Carlos Hyde last year saw 72% of Houston's running back rushes, which is a pretty high rushing share for him. Uh, David Johnson has looked a little bit slower, uh, but we can kind of view this as a Carlos Hyde plus type situation because David Johnson is, is a good receiver. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, so if you look at it from that perspective where David Johnson could see some goal line work, he should see a decent amount of touches on the ground. My projection right now has him at 226 carries, 952 rushing yards, seven or so rushing touchdowns. But then through the air, I've got him at 35 receptions, 312 receiving yards, and one to two receiving touchdowns. So David Johnson, as long as he's able to maintain that starting gig in Houston, uh, he should be fantasy relevant. Yeah, stick with the running backs. Uh, I don't know how much. I love guys that bet on themselves anytime, but I'm not sure how much money he lost by betting on himself. But talk to me about Melvin Gordon also going to be in a new location, no longer with the Chargers. What are your projections uh, for Melvin Gordon going into the season? Yeah, it's a tough scene for Melvin Gordon after uh, everything that's gone down over the last year. But he goes to a Denver team that has a crowded backfield already. We've seen Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman split that backfield last year. I think this move makes Royce Freeman pretty irrelevant from a fantasy perspective. So we're really looking at Melvin Gordon versus Philip Lindsay. The one interesting aspect of this Broncos backfield, and Philip Lindsay in particular, is that last season, during the first half of the season, he was seeing a, a target share per game that was in the 13 to 14% range. And then the second half of the season, that dropped to under 7%. So basically uh, cut in half during the second half of the year. We know that Melvin Gordon's a pretty good pass catcher out of the backfield, even though he was sort of being overshadowed by Austin Eckler this past season. Uh, so Melvin Gordon could carve out somewhat of a role, especially given the fact that we've seen Denver sort of cap Philip Lindsay's rushing upside given his size. So Gordon, to me, not an ideal landing spot going to Denver, uh, but I do have him for 203 attempts, 886 yards on the ground with six to seven touchdowns. Uh, but then through the air, I have him with 40 receptions and then another touchdown as well. You know, the not quite the, the wide receiver he used to be, but still the rich keep getting richer. The Saints go ahead and add yet another weapon in Emmanuel Sanders. Again, getting up there in years, but production in years don't necessarily mean anything. What do you think we're going to get from Emmanuel Sanders this year? Yeah, the Saints are always a, a tough team to, to project because they're super, super efficient. We know they're going to score a lot of touchdowns, but of late, you know, over the last three years especially, they haven't been throwing the ball nearly as much as what we saw maybe half a decade ago. Over the last three years, they've ranked either average or below average in pass attempts, which really limits the target volume for wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs on that team. And then on top of that, you know that Michael Thomas is going to get a large target share. You know that Alvin Kamara is going to get a large target share. And then Jared Cook is there as well. So right now I do have Emmanuel Sanders projected for the third highest target share on the Saints, which will get him between, you know, 80 to 90 targets. Uh, so he can't be fantasy relevant. I think that he's more of a high-end wide receiver four, low-end wide receiver three. My projections right now have Sanders for 64 receptions, 789 yards, and five to six touchdowns. All right, and I guess uh, no better place to end than with uh, a guy that's a total enigma. I don't know. Is it him? Is he hurt? Is he not? Is it John McVay? I don't know. Todd Gurley. Uh, you know, certainly not what he once was. Is it the contract, the money? What do you make of Todd Gurley and the fresh start he's going to get? 
Yeah, really volatile situation for Gurley, for sure, just given the knee and, and given what we saw last season. Um, you know, it's a good landing spot in terms of seeing volume similar to Houston, but also similar to Houston. We haven't seen the Atlanta running backs over the last couple of years score a ton of fantasy points. Part of the reason for that is that Atlanta hasn't been very run-heavy close to the goal line, and they haven't run many goal line plays. Whereas if you look at L.A., even last season during Todd Gurley's down year, you're still able to score 14 total touchdowns because the Rams were re ranked really high in run rate close to the goal line and total plays close to the goal line. So there is a downgrade in terms of how many touchdowns Todd Gurley might score in this Atlanta Falcons offense, but there is a little bit more upside if they decide to use him more as a receiver, which is what we didn't see with Todd Gurley and the Rams last year. So in total, I have Gurley right now projected for 235 attempts, 964 rushing yards, eight touchdowns on the ground, and then through the air, I have him for 44 catches, 338 yards, and one to two touchdowns. So Todd Gurley has an opportunity, if his knees do hold up, to be a lower-end RB1 in fantasy. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Again, a lot of big names, a lot of new teams, a lot of new jerseys. And, of course, we'll be here with the FanDuel. Hurry up, getting you caught up with all the latest information on behalf of J.J. Zacharyson there of FanDuel. I'm Joe Ranieri. This has been another edition of the FanDuel Hurry Up. Be well. We'll talk to you again soon. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. Psh. I'm Tony Cameron brown a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after 3 0. We never win a chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. 
I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Joe Ranieri, and we are joined by Davis Maddock of Daily Roto. Today, it's all about the NFL draft still pushing ahead. Next month, we're looking forward to it, as I'm sure many of you are. So we got to take a look at the board here and see if we can't put some value associated with some of these players. And Davis, we'll start at the top uh, with a player that many people think, outside of the quarterback position, is the best player on the board, and that being Chase Young of Ohio State. What are your thoughts on Chase Young this year? So Chase Young is going to go second overall in this draft, and you could really put this bet at any price. You could put it at minus 10,000, and you probably still get some people who are willing to bet it because Chase Young is just going to go second. Washington isn't going to take Tua. Washington is not going to trade this pick away. They, you know, they traded a fifth round pick for Kyle Allen. They took Dwayne Haskins in the first round last year. They are selecting Chase Young with this second overall pick in the NFL draft. So, you know, I was honestly surprised to see this at my Minus 330 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I thought it would be even deeper than that. All right. Well, let's go to another player here that I don't know. feels like I've played in college for 19 years. That being Jalen Hurts. Uh, A lot of people say, listen, you can't be a quarterback in the NFL. But he impressed at the combine. Did he impress you enough to think he's going to go off the board there early in this draft? Definitely. I think that uh, I think that he is such an incredibly strong option. And I think that he is being underrated by people who, you know, maybe maybe they are looking at things and they saw that Jalen Hurts had to transfer colleges and maybe they're seeing how, you know, they, he lost when he was at Oklahoma in the college football playoff. But we're talking about a guy who's not even 22 yet. And we're talking about the NFL that is, you know, more and more favorable for mobile quarterbacks pretty much every single year. Jalen Hurts under the 75th pick. Uh, I mean, I would probably take the under on this at the 60th overall pick. So at 75, I think we are getting loads of value. This is probably my favorite bet of any of these NFL draft bets that we're going to look at. And of course, uh, uh, the running back position, always an interesting position in the draft. And some feel that the first running back to go off the board will be Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin. Uh, Are you sold on Jonathan Taylor as the first running back off the board this year? 
I am definitely sold on Jonathan Taylor as the first running back drafted. You can get him at the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus money. You can get him at plus 155, whereas DeAndre Swift is actually favored to be the first running back off the board. But Taylor is just a, he's just a better prospect than DeAndre Swift is. He was better at running, just about as good at catching the ball, didn't suffer any injuries when he was in college. So, you know, I think it's pretty much a no-brainer that Jonathan Taylor is going to go ahead of DeAndre Swift. And uh, what what's funny is that the props of the over-under of where the guys are going to be drafted on the FanDuel Sportsbook are only a few picks apart. So I think that uh, this is a little bit of a discrepancy in the odds that makes it even more favorable to draft Taylor as the first running back overall. Taking a look on the defensive side, secondary, always a uh, always a need for teams. And one of the hardest hitting safeties in the draft this year, Grant Delpit out of the champion LSU Tigers, maybe the first safety off the board. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that there is probably a, a pretty good chance that he is the first safety off the board. One of the things that I like to do with NFL draft betting is, you know, obviously look at a ton of mock drafts and what you'll see with Grant Delpit and the guy who's favored to be the first safety off the board, Xavier McKinney. Uh, neither of them are like routinely going inside the top 10 in these mock drafts, even kind of outside the top 15. And you'll often see the order that they go switched in these mock drafts, which I always think is, you know, indicative that if we're looking at two options, we want to take the guy that we are getting plus money with, and we are getting Grant Delpit at plus money, a really good price on FanDuel. I really like this wager, Grant Delpit, first safety off the board. Wide receiver also always a position of interest, the skill position, and a lot of feel this is one of the deepest wide, uh, wide receiver position drafts that we've had in a long time. A kid out of Oklahoma named Lamb seems to be at everyone's top of their draft board. How about yours, Davis? Yeah, I think that CeeDee Lamb is going to be a better NFL player than Jerry Judy. And I think that uh, the fact that um, the the colleges that they went to definitely do have something with to do with their draft profile. So, you know, we know we have a lot of historically great wide receivers from Alabama. We have a lot of guys who have kind of flamed out in the NFL from Oklahoma. But the recent success for Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, I think those things are going to be pretty helpful. And Lamb just had a much better combine than Judy did. Judy pretty much disappointed with every drill that he did, whereas Lamb excelled uh, at his physical testing. So I think we have to feel pretty good about CeeDee Lamb going ahead of Jerry Judy in the NFL draft. And things are priced the other way around, where Judy is currently favored to go ahead of Lamb. All right. And finally, a, uh, a player that Man, I, I don't know how anybody's going to draft him without being able to get a doctor in front of him. But Tua is, uh, of course, uh, right up there with many people thinking outside of Joe Burrow. He is a must-have. What about on your draft board, Davis? Is he and could he possibly be maybe the first, if not the second quarterback taken? I think that he is almost for certainly going to be the second quarterback taken, and I think that you can get good odds on that on the FanDuel Sportsbook, but the even more interesting bet for me is just Tua as the number three overall pick. Uh, you can get him there at minus 110. Basically, if you kind of take the if you kind of take the path that uh, Tua is okay, Tua is healthy, you know, some team's not going to get some horrible medical on him. I think he's pretty much a lock to go third overall. If he doesn't go third overall to Miami, I think it seems likely that some team would trade in to get him there. And, uh, you know, as a result, I, I think that this is, again, at minus 110, another really solid bet.
And of course, uh, a lot of that is going to depend on uh, the physical and how he is progressing. But no doubt, there is going to be jockeying for position when it comes to the draft for Tua's services. And the draft is just around the corner, and we're excited for it. We thought it'd be great if we talked a little bit about some NBA futures. The games will be back. We'll be excited for them. And of course, uh, some are, well, let's say as far as the odds go, a little bit uh, better priced than others. And Tom, why don't we start uh, first and foremost with some of the favorites on the board right now, according to FanDuel. We'll start with the Milwaukee Bucks. Your thoughts on the Bucks championship odds? So we're dealing with, you know, just uncertain times right now. When will the games be back? A month, two months. But I want to be looking at is like who is going to be benefiting from this time off the most. And I think we want to be starting with the Bucks. We know that Atentacumpo was dealing with a knee injury prior to the suspension of play. They actually lost three of their past four games. And they are, you know, the, the favorites win the East. They're actually the odds on favorite to win the title right now. So we have a strong team already. We have, you know, an MVP caliber player who was a little bit banged up and should be fully healthy when the season resumes. So we're taking this step by step. Okay, we're, they're checking off a box. They're already a good team. They're going to be getting healthier. And we want to be seeing what they're going to be looking like when the season comes back. So I am on board with the Bucks and odds on favor. You don't get the best value on them, but they should be able to pull it out. All right, Tom, and another favorite, of course, uh, preseason favorite of a lot of people as well. How about them Los Angeles Clippers right now coming in at plus 340? I think the Clippers are also kind of in the same situation. We know that Kawhi is still dealing with, or will always be dealing with this knee injury, taking games off here or there. We know that Paul George started the season dealing with the injury. He didn't play. He came back. He looked good. He looked bad, hot and cold, dealing with another injury around the all-star break, they are also a team that should be benefiting from the time off, you know, getting these players healthier. Pat Beverly was dealing with an injury. They picked up Reggie Jackson. You know, they have the pieces to get it done. And if you really think about it, uh, two months in the middle of the season for Kawhi to stay healthier, to stay fresh, come back even stronger, a player that has all the upside, who has the playoff experience, you want to be, you know, siding with the Clippers, siding with the Bucks. Some of these teams are just going to be better once the season resumes. Yeah, and the Clippers certainly have enough firepower, and they made some amazing moves, of course, at the trade deadline, too, to give themselves even more depth. So a lot of people, Tom, think that the, uh, you know, the path from the West is going to go through L.A. one way or the other. So let's take a look at that other team that plays in the Staples Center. Your thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers championship odds? Yeah, so I think we got to be liking the Lakers. They already clinched a playoff spot. We saw it when they played the Clippers that Saturday or Sunday, a week or so before the season paused. Everyone was saying, okay, just fast forward to the Western Conference Finals. Give us seven games of these two teams going head-to-head. -head. Uh, the Lakers really weren't too injured. We know that you know Anthony Davis is always going to be listed as probable. He's a player that should be benefiting, but they have the depth. They have Rondo. They have Howard. They have JaVale McGee. Uh, they picked up uh, Markeith Morris. Like, they have the pieces to get it done. So I'm going to be taking a healthier AD, a healthier LeBron. Like, all these three teams are kind of the same. They're pretty heavy favorites. They were the favorites coming into the season, and now they're just a little bit healthier. All right, million-dollar question here because it's uh, it's been asked, and it's a fair question. Who does this time off help the most, in your opinion, of those favorites? The Bucks, the Clippers, or the Lakers? I got to be siding with the Clippers. We're going to take uh, Kawhi, just a player that has shown that you know championship pedigree combined with their depth. I think it's a little bit better compared to the Bucks and the Lakers, and you're getting a little bit better of a price compared to the Bucks. All right, so obviously not all favorites uh, are there on the board. There are some value plays that, uh, that folks should be looking at as well. 
at FanDuel. Why don't we turn our attention to the East? Let's go Boston Celtics right now, coming in at 20 to 1 at FanDuel. Some people still think they're a sleeper and a, and a good chance to uh, make the run from the East for a championship. What do you say, Tom? I would say I agree with that. In the East, everyone assuming it's going to come down to some combination of the Bucks, the Raptors, the Celtics, the 76ers. The Celtics were really banged up, you know, heading into the pause. Kemba's missing time. He's back. He's missing time again. Tatum missed a few games. Jalen Brown missing time. Gordon Hayward missing time. We have four starters that were in and out of their lineup very, very uh, frequently, you know, in the last month or so before the pause. We have, uh, you know, decent playoff experience between all four of those players. They're getting healthier. They have a good amount of depth. I'm not going to say it's amazing. They have a good coach with Brad Stevens. It's plus 2,000. I mean, I think they can match up pretty evenly against the Raptors or the Bucks. Uh, I want to take a healthier Celtics team at a great, great price. Size is the only thing people keep pointing to. Do they have enough size to be able to compete? Uh, you know, there's a reason why Philadelphia has owned them uh, over the last year or so, but... That also remains to be seen how it all plays out. Another team, another favorite uh, of a lot of people that's got some value. How about the Denver Nuggets? A little bit inconsistent there throughout the season, but certainly a team with some home court advantage that might provide some value for betters. You know, the Nuggets are interesting, not really dealing with too many injuries, you know, holding down the three seed right now. Good to, I would say, a great team, as you said, a little bit inconsistent at times. But they play like a really, really so, uh, style of basketball. Very solid. They have a very, very deep bench. Uh, we know it's led by Jokic and Murray, of course. But then we have all these guys contributing, uh, whether it's going to be Gary Harris, whether it's going to be Will Barton, Grant, Paul Millsap can still put up decent minutes. You know, you uh, mix in Torrey Craig in there, um, Mason Plumley. Like, they have enough depth. They have a great home court advantage, as you said. And they're kind of being overlooked at plus, uh, plus 2,500 right now. Everyone's going to be talking about, okay, the Clippers, the Lakers, what about the Rockets? If people are going to be overlooking the Nuggets, man, 2,500, I'll take them. Great value, especially uh, a little bit a year older. You know, they kind of pushed the envelope last year a little bit. So uh, they will be ready for a run. And it would be fitting for us, uh, of course, not to mention a bomb here on the board. But there is a bomb. And we don't know exactly when the NBA is going to hit back on the court. But if they are going to play the regular season out, you know, the 18-19 games, might this rest not help the Portland Trailblazers of all the teams coming in at a triple-digit number? 21,000, uh, plus 21,000 for the Portland Trailblazers. And prior to the break, we saw the news was that Yusuf Nurchic was going to be coming back on March 15th. Uh, obviously dealing or still rehabbing and dealing with the leg injury he suffered last March against the Nets in that uh, overtime game. Uh, we have a team that is sitting in the ninth seed right now, Portland is. We have a team that was in the Western Conference Finals last year. And over the past few seasons, it's like first round and out, first round and out. They took a, set, uh, you know, a step last year getting to those finals. We have them coming back a little bit healthier. Now, this is very, very uncertain. Will Nurchich be even able to play 20-plus minutes? Will he be effective? All these sorts of things. But a team that could probably sneak into the playoffs as that 7th or 6th seed if they get hot, uh, depending on how many games they play at the end of the regular season, I kind of like them as like one of the best long shots on the board uh, to potentially uh, make that next step in the playoffs. Because you got to think that they, didn't do, they did the Western Conference Finals run last year without use of Nurchich. So he's back. They're a little bit healthier. Great odds there. 
I agree. And listen, if they will continue the, with the 18 or 19 game regular season, give them an opportunity to get in. That is certainly a dangerous team. So a lot to be decided yet, but the bottom line is still some value on the board. Let's begin in the Eastern Conference where the Boston Bruins reside. They are uh, your favorite bet on the board. Why is that? Well, the Bruins really have it all. I mean, we look back to last season. They were, of course, in the Stanley Cup final. They lost. But overall, this team really hasn't changed too much. And and frankly, we have to be looking at this, you know, time off of who's this going to benefit the most. And I think it's going to be benefiting the Bruins. And then another team we'll get to in a minute. But the Bruins are on the older side of teams. You know, Chara is 42. Bergeron is 34. Marshawn is 31. Rask is 33. Like, they have older players. So this time off will benefit them. And really, when it comes down to it, they are simply one of the best. They are the best team in the league. Let's just put it what it is. They have 100 points. They are sitting, you know, what would be the president's trophy right now, which is the most points in the league come the end of the season. They have it all. They have great defense. They have great offense. They have enough depth. They can play big. They can play fast. And they had a few players, Tori Krug and Brandon Carlo, who were day-to-day -day, uh, before this season was paused. But now they're going to come back even healthier. The older guys are going to be rested. There's no reason not to like them this season. Despite the Bruins' age, they also have that experience, obviously, having been there before. They're in a good spot, of course, performing. That's why they're your favorite. Plus 600 is what you can get them right now over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. So why things are paused, maybe make a little bet. Another favorite that you like at plus 700, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that's had a lot of regular season success but haven't really been able to get over the hump. Is this year going to be different? Yeah, haven't been able to get over the hump, like you said. Hopefully this year is different for Tampa fans. Obviously last year was a complete disaster for them. This is also a team that will benefit with the layoff. On March 3rd, they announced that Steven, Stam Steven Stamkos, one of their best players, was going to be out six to eight weeks with a core uh, surgery, core muscle surgery. Uh, so that would put him around the middle of May or so coming back, which would be sometime in the second round. But that's obviously not the case. So they're going to be getting back a superstar player. And really, overall, they have a super, super deep team. And at the trade deadline, they made a lot of, like, sneaky good moves, uh, getting specifically Blake Coleman, which I think is a great pickup. And then you look deeper down their lineup. Like, they have this player, Anthony Sorelli, who's a center now, you know, thrust up to, onto the first forward line. But he's phenomenally defensively. He plays on the penalty kill. Not a lot of, you know, a lot of people know about him. Everyone's going to be looking to Nikita Kucherov and Stamkos and Victor Hedman. And, of course, uh, Venzina candidate uh, Andre Vasilevsky and Net. They have a ton of star players, but the depth is what really sets them apart from other teams. So plus 700 for a team that can really put up any amount of goals you possibly want. They can get it done. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds. Odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. Psh. I'm Tony Cowan brown a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, 
or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big pop. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after 3 0. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.